Hi, this is Fernie, your resident psychic medium and spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. And today, we're going to have kind of a like wild free day where we're going to really dive into, I think, some topics and some issues that we're all dealing with. Well, not all of us, but a majority of you out there are dealing with, which is, you know, what it's like to be a mother trying to support and sustain your household, having a career, having a family, having a relationship, and then all the stuff that gets thrown in between. So I want to introduce you all to my friend and social media manager, Reagan. Hey, Reagan. Hey, Bernie. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? We're good. We're good. It's I've totally lost track of how many weeks we've been in quarantine now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet you it's well. You know, I think I think both of us we luck out because we at least live in territories or areas where it's not a congested city. I mean, we live near cities, but we, you know, just judging by your neighborhood and by the view from just your front door, I'm like, okay, your kids have plenty of like room and space. So it's not like they're like like in New York where they're like stuck in all of these small apartments and they can't get out and get fresh air. No, absolutely. I mean, the only problem we've had has been snow that then mm-hmm. keeps them inside. So I think it was yeah. last week it snowed three times. So I have two boys. So they were just all over each other because they couldn't get outside and play. So, oh God, yeah, but no, we're super lucky to have space. I have no idea how I would handle this being in an apartment or kind of in, in a big city. Yeah, I think that's when people start pulling out, like they start trying to figure out how to make a banjo and then pull it out and start trying to sing, you know, something around an artificial campfire in the middle of a living room. That's what tends to happen (laughs) when you don't have any actual outdoor space. Right? No, absolutely. Our kids are becoming like wee bowling champions because Mm. it's something active that they can do together alone without our help. So there's been a lot of wee playing going on. You know, growing up, like we grew up, you and I grew up in, like, how old are you? You're, I'm 38. I'll be 40 next year. Oh my gosh. So you've got one year ahead of me. Okay. So, you know, we, we grew up in the eighties. We were eighties kids, right? So we're used to actual bowling. We're used to playing outside. And we were talking about this the other day where it's all about being outside. Like you're, you know, you didn't have babysitters. You just tell your kids to run outside, go outside and play. And then they'd go out and do whatever. No, absolutely. Part of dealing with all of us being home, my husband's working from home. I always work from home. And then obviously the kids aren't in school right now. We joke around about throwing some eighties parenting into our parenting (laughs) style where Mm -hmm. I just put them outside and say, you have to play out here for 45 minutes. Do not come back in. So we've tried to incorporate a lot of our childhood memories with our moms Mm -hmm. kind of into our parenting style during this whole crazy time. Mm-mm. I think, you know, well, and there was a lot more, I think there was a lot more blind faith in people or the goodness of people back then where you just didn't have to worry about your kids. Like, are they going to get abducted? Are they going to get, you know, like we don't have to, there's, there's more awareness these days where it. I think I would struggle with that because I'd be like, Oh my gosh, what, you know what? Like, is someone coming around? It's not like, I, I think I would ha- be a bit of a freak of a parent just because I'd be like hovering over my kid. Do you ever have those kinds of moments? Uh, kind of. So I did when they were really little. And I think it's more because I was new to being a mom. So now that my mm. kids are seven and four, I feel like I'm getting my stride with it a little bit. Because mm-hmm. in actuality, crime is so much lower now than it was when we were mm-hmm. little kids. And everybody mm. has cameras everywhere. I mean, honestly, right. you can't get away with anything. So 
I kind of feel like it's all in our head. It's like because there's 24 hour news, because we just have mm. continuous news we have to fill with kind of all the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. The smaller amount of crime actually seems a lot bigger to us than it did to our parents because our parents only had like what that hour of nightly news that kind of let right. them know what was going on versus yeah. just being inundated with all the crazy stuff that's going on. So I feel that I'm loosening up about that. It's also, I feel a little easier when you have two because I've got an older and a younger. So like the older can look after the younger when they're playing mm-hmm. outside. And my older is super engineering, super honest and like super vigilant. So he's my trustworthy soul that like looks after the crazy second child. So I don't know. Well, I, just, I, well, I just saw your video, like you posted one on Facebook and you said, you know, they, it's taken this long to, for, to get them to play together or to work together, like spend time. And I was like, what? And I was like, wait a minute. What was, what, what was going on that they were not able to be together? Well, the little one is only four. So mm. like, he's just now really learning how to play. And my older one is kind of an introvert. So he's totally fine being on his own, like doing Legos, reading books, just kind of handling his own self. And his little brother's crazy is Mm. way more me like as a kid. So he's super extroverted, like wants to be around people all the time. And that gets overwhelming for my oldest. So, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So, but now they've started because they're, they're the only ones that they can play with other than adults. I think they have really started forming a bond during quarantine to where Mm. it's kind of them to not against us, but if they want to play with somebody, it has to be the other one. And I think the little one is kind of, finally getting it like how to play with his older brother i told Mm. i told my oldest like this is the only time he's gonna do whatever you say in just like total blind faith so you can play whatever (laughs) game you want you need to take advantage of it because you know (laughs) in a year it's gonna be a totally different ball game yeah oh my gosh well you know I, i think that they represent a lot of adults i mean because i don't know by nature i'm more of a loner so i prefer to just be up by myself on my left to my own devices i can sit in my office and just sit there and read or ponder my existence for hours at a time and lose track of time and you know i'm like oh oh, i gotta work today like you know that's the kind of person that i am so i have to give give myself some sort of structure so i can keep up with what i'm supposed to do in a day ed is the opposite he has a very regimented schedule and he's constantly like his day has to be filled with all these things and you know so he's like a manic personality to some extent um and it's funny because he's a chatty cathy and he wants to talk and he wants to just you know you know and it's about like the most random in my in my mind like insignificant things like you know well i'm thinking about buying another pair of sheets but i don't know if this is the pair of sheets that i want to buy or and i'm just sitting there and i'm pondering like the mysteries of the universe and he's asking me about sheets and i'm just like i don't care they're just <laughs> like they're just sheets buy whatever you buy whatever you want to buy i don't care you know it's it's just it's kind of funny because it's that's been a process for me just learning how to try to balance that perspective because you know every time like i'll be there reading a book and he's like hey hey, hey like every few moments just Butting in, butting in, and I'm like, ah, practicing patience here, practicing tolerance, practice. You know, it's like all of those things in that moment I'm practicing, and he's just wanting to get attention, or he's wanting to ask about something, or he's just wanting to engage with me. Um, and because he he's, it's funny, he's an extrovert, but he lives the lifestyle of the hermit, so he's completely like disconnected from the world, and he's like, nope, like that's it, like I don't need friends, I don't like friends, I don't like people, I don't want to be invested in people's lives that like that, like that's his mindset, which is funny because I'm like 
the opposite. I'm more invested in people's lives than, than anything. And I'm constantly talking to people every single day. So we're very different in our work ethic. But then when it comes to the actual downtime and relationship, I'm more of the like, I'm in my bubble, I'm in my bubble, you know, and he's more like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what you know, it's almost like, I'm trying to work on peace of mind here. I'm trying to, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. No, you know, I, I feel like it was the same way for my husband and I when like, I first started staying home and before I opened my own business, Mm. I just had the kiddo at home. So like when another adult was home, I was all up in his face, just trying to have conversations about everything. And he was like, can you just give me some space? Because I talk to people all day long. I just want five minutes. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I have literally had no one to talk to other than this baby all day long, which is probably why my oldest has a very extensive vocabulary. But um Yeah, I don't know. I think it's really interesting when, you know, you look at personalities and how they fit together. And it's even more fascinating how DNA makes two totally, the same DNA can make two Mm -hmm. totally different people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think you see that and you see that in siblings all the time. But for me, it never was really driven home to me until I had kids. And I was like, whoa, like, this is just insane. Mm. I don't know. Well, like how... How, I mean, y'all have, so how long has it been since y'all have been kind of at home? <laughs> um, so let's see, my husband graduated with his MBA on March 13th. And it was that like two days later that we started quarantining at home. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. been over a month. Mm. So before that, like how often were y'all actually going out? Because, you know, some people, some families are super homebodies and other families are like constantly engaging in activities and doing stuff. And so like how often were y'all going out as a family or doing stuff like out and about? Yeah. I mean, so I work from home. So my day to day really hasn't changed other than I now have three coworkers that mm. sometimes drive me insane. <laughs> coworkers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you must be talking about Starbucks coworkers because oh. that sounds just like Starbucks coworkers. Absolutely. Um, so, but I think like our day to day, both kids would go to school. My husband would obviously go into work. So I would have the house just quiet to myself during the day. And then on the weekends, like the kids are in swimming. So we would go do that. Every other Saturday, we have a date night. So we go out that night. I mean, we're Mm. fairly social people. Um, But I think we are actually finding this easier than we thought we would in the beginning. Mm. And I feel like it's kind of just crystallizing maybe how we need to move forward as a family and maybe not have the kids so scheduled because they're actually loving being at home. They're like, this Mm. is so great. We don't have, you know, we don't always have to pick up and go. We can just kind of ease into our day. And it's really made us kind of question our lives pre-quarantine and like, did we need to be that busy? Was there any benefits to us being that busy? Or is actually this telling us we need to slow down? So we're doing a lot of kind of family soul searching, if you will. Like, just what do we want in our lives after quarantine is lifted? But that's like a perfect example of what like they're talking about. Because, you know, you see all these memes online and they're all like, you know, now's the time to re-examine your lives and now's the time to, you know, and people are like, oh, then I guess I'll make a TikTok video now, you know? And like, so that their brain goes to like something very simple, but you're taking this whole experience and you're taking it to a place where you're essentially questioning your way of, your complete way of life, not only for yourself, but for your entire family. Yeah. I mean, a preface to this is my husband has been getting a postgraduate degree for the last 18 months. So between me running a business, 
running the household, having mm-hmm. the kid, you know, just our lives have been insane for the past 18 mm-hmm. months. So in some ways, this quarantine has been a really nice counter to that. Like mm. we felt we were so busy before because we literally had no time. My husband still worked his regular job, then studied for school at night, went to school on the weekends. So mm-hmm. our lives have been chaotic for a pretty long time. So I think this is for us, the reason that we're looking at it as kind of how do we need to live the rest of our lives is because we're kind of already in a transition anyways. Like, what is our life looking at like now that, you know, daddy's not in school anymore? And what are the things that we really want to focus on to kind of bring us back as a full family? Because I kind of feel like, and he and I have talked about this, I've kind of been solo parenting, not single parenting, but like solo parenting for, you know, quite a while. Hmm. What's slow parenting for people who don't know what that is? So I really try not to say single parenting when I'm doing it on my own, because ultimately I still have a partner that I can text or call and do all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to take away like my mom was a single mom and she raised she raised us and she didn't have a partner to kind of run things by or just, you know, bitch to at the end of the day Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. just let all those things go to. So I tend to say solo parent because I'm not a single parent. I can't always reach out to my partner about it, but sometimes I'm on my own with them. So Mm. I really try to distinguish that because I don't want to take away from single parents because they kick ass, man. They do so much on their own. You know, most have jobs and because they have to provide and that that's a hard, hard thing. And I like, I don't know. I just never want to take away from that because it's mm-hmm. such a such a big deal. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, it's sometimes it's even harder when you do have a partner, but they are the kind of partner who doesn't do anything to help you. And in fact, they just add to the workload. So they kind of make it even harder. You know, like my mom was, she was married and my stepfather, like he didn't work, but he sure did cash in her paycheck and right. he used it to go buy alcohol and cigarettes, which is why he was an alcoholic, but he, you know, he was there. So she, but she wasn't a single parent either. You know, she just had a really difficult situation. And so I think some, some parents and some mothers who are married, like they can say that, no, like she's right. Like it is hard just having all that on your own. And then on top of that, the extra workload that sometimes comes from people that just are not giving, but instead just taking and taking and taking. No, you're so right. I actually, I don't know why I didn't think of that, but no, I think that would actually be way harder. Um, Mm. I think a lot of resentment would build and would really suck because essentially you have another child that you're taking care of and no help, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's for some people, it's just, it's, it's like life. That's why I always tell people like, life's not even black and white. Like it's, there's so much gray and you think you have, you think you understand one spectrum and then all of a sudden you throw another spectrum in and you're just like, oh crap. Absolutely. (laughs) I got to rethink my whole way of talking about this. Yeah. Like my whole theory just went blown out the window. (laughs) We're just like, oh Jesus, God. So, so do you think that it's, it's the the situation with all of this and you having to be home so much and then now your husband's home all the time as well and working and stuff like do you both feel like this has brought you two together or or together more so as a family or do you think this has created this has brought up new questions or new issues that you'd never really realized were there before until this happened um i think for us it's kind of it's brought us together um again our situation being that he's just kind of finished school. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're reconnecting a lot more. So it's in a weird way, nice that we're all quarantined together because we are having mm-hmm. these conversations about what we want 
to do with the rest of, you know, our lives and what we want mm-hmm. the kids growing up to really look like now and what are some things we want to, you know, maintain post quarantine, like our 80s and 90s parenting style of just making them stay outside for extended mm. periods of time and let them run around the neighborhood and let them have a little bit more freedom as they're getting older. And I think that's been really nice for us. It hasn't thrown up anything weird. And I think it's also just because we hadn't spent a lot of time together kind of pre-quarantine. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're hello, you. <laughs> <laughs> You're back in the mix. Like, this is right. great. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people after this is said and done are either going to be getting married or getting divorced because, it's, you know, this is going to push you into like, whoa, like, what is this? Like, oh, okay. And for people who've already been there or have had a taste of it, I think this is going to work really well for them. Like yourself, like me and Ed, it's the same thing. We, we were pretty much self-quarantined from the rest of society before this happened. I was only going out like once a week just to go do grocery shopping or to go run some errands. So for me, it wasn't a big change um, other than just not being able to use the trails as much as we used to before. So that's the only difference. Um, But I think it's still not the easiest situation for some couples who they just couldn't stand each other and they would use work and or family as an excuse to not have to focus on their issues as a couple or their issues communicating with each other or whatever. And now this is probably forcing those people into, oh God, what it's, can I deal with this for the rest of my life? Can I go through this for the rest of my life? No, I think Absolutely. We're going to see a lot of that. I read, um, I love the column in the New York Times called Modern Love. They also did a series on Amazon Prime, but it's one of my favorite things. So I read it every Friday. And there was a really interesting article in there about a woman who like they broke up during quarantine or like right before quarantine happened in New York. And she Mm -hmm. was like, but because we were already together, like we were still together in my apartment Mm. because like he couldn't leave and you know we've just spent a lot of time so it's this like really weird dynamic to like be with someone that we've just broken up but it actually gave them time to like work through a lot of stuff and now they're great friends and all of that but Mm -hmm. I definitely think when you're forced to kind of be on top of each other it can cause a lot of a lot of problems even in the greatest relationships because as much as I love my husband and my kids doesn't mean I want to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with them, you know? Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, right. I love them, but I also really miss my friends and, you mm. know, drinks and just a change of scenery. I just, I think it's a really trying time. I mean, I hope people who are on the fence about some of that stuff make no major decisions during this time because <laughs> I just feel like we're living in such uncharted right. waters. Like, <laughs> You would be insane to not go insane with everybody on top of each other. And I think it's a totally just normal feeling to have. But I mean, my heart definitely breaks for people who are trapped in, you know, serious situations and are now quarantined Mm. in those like those are kind of the families I think about who, you know, are really struggling and maybe need need some help during this quarantine time. Well, I think, you know, because you are running your own business and you've got so many dynamic responsibilities and and just things that you have to pivot at sometimes that you you know don't really know always like okay well this is new <laughs> this is different right. from last week what is what are we doing this week people like it's it you know it's a dynamic cha- dynamically changing environment for you so i mean talk about your business because i think um it's important to, for people to understand like what what do you do and and how what what's required in all of that 
Um, so I started my own social media management business about two and a half years ago um, because I was going insane as a stay-at-home mom. I was an English teacher previously, and I worked for this amazing film charity in London up until the birth of my oldest son. So I really like the media and word space. Um, so I looked to kind of retrain to do something that I could do from home so I could still be around to take the kids to school and just be a little bit more flexible, you know, to pick up kids if they're sick or whatnot. So I started my own social media management company. So I work with a like a variety of different businesses and I help them come up with content and kind of storylines for their social media. So kind of their social media can tell the stories of their business while they can focus on their own business building. Because I don't think you need to be good at everything to run your own business. And quite often, it's the worst idea to try to do that. So I help businesses tell their stories and do a little bit of content creation, um, some podcast production, and <laughs> kind of a jack of all <laughs> trades. It's, it's more like, God, you're like juggling. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're juggling three boobs at the same time. Like two, one reach for, for a child, and then I've got an extra one for all of my clients and my business. Yeah. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ. I'm just like a professional mom. I just tell everybody what to do. <laughs> Gosh, uh, you know, and that that's what you do. Because I used to tell people, I was like, why am I sitting here at Starbucks in the back room trying to help all these baristas how to fix their lives? I, You know what? I should just pay people. I should just have people pay me to tell them how to fix their life. You know, and then that's right? when I started going in this direction. I was like, I'm just going to find a way to get paid for this. And there you go. Out. <laughs> Absolutely. No. So, you know, I've started the business. Right now, it looks a bit different because my wonderful, serene office that was upstairs is now mm. been moved to the kitchen table so I can oversee mm. homeschooling and a crazy four-year-old. But um, other than that, it, it it's still kind of the same, if that makes sense. Um, I wake up really early to work out just so I can have an hour's quiet time before my crazy mm. day starts. So yeah. I still try to do that. And then I try to knock out a lot of work early in the morning before kids wake up and then kind of do it after they're all settled in. So I love it because it gives me flexibility. I love social media. I think especially right now, um, it's a very interesting space to be in. It's a very important space to be in when, mm -hmm. you know, you can't meet clients or tell people about your business. You can let your social media channels do it for you in a creative and fun and interactive way, yeah. which is why I love well, it. Well, I think that you were you were pretty primed and prepped and ready for this situation to happen because majority of your workload was over the wire and it allowed you, you were already, you had a, a rhythm and a process in place. And so when this happened, you're like, oh, okay. And like, was it that simple of a pivot for you? Or did you have to make some additional adjustments you weren't prepared to make? I mean, I've definitely had to make some adjustments. I've lost a couple of clients. Um, mm. I've, work with some yoga studios who, that have had to actually shut down because they couldn't, you know, they can't pay the rent while, yeah. you know, they have to be shut down. And that's a really kind of scary thing when we start losing really cool small businesses that way because of these kind of this global pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I've lost a couple of clients. I've gained a few clients, which is great. Um, it's not super easy to pivot. I definitely get interrupted about every 10 minutes. So as far as like complete <laughs> thoughts go, <laughs> that's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I, I feel very kind of fortunate that my business is so flexible. As long as I'm really good 
at planning with my clients, that allows me a lot of flexibility during my day. So I can do a lot of my work at weird hours and, you know, schedule things to post and, you know, do all that when I can't actually be physically doing it right then. So yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice business to be in when things like this happen. But you know, I like, I like that you embrace your schedule. Like instead of saying, I can't be a business, a successful business owner because I have this issue or I have this challenge or I have this, um, um, I have this difficulty in the day. Like you don't use things like life, which is what happens to everybody in, in one way or another. You don't let that stop you from running a successful business because your business is still going. You're still yeah. open. You're still operating. So, I mean, even through this, you know, losing clients, gaining clients, all that, it's still successful because it's still there. Absolutely. And a lot of companies have, have just completely faltered and failed because of what's going on um, or because they were not prepared to deal with this, which is understandable because who the hell expects this to happen? Yeah, I definitely think we will continue to see a lot of change in how kind of business is done and mm-hmm. how, you know, even brick or mortar businesses are kind of set up so that if this does happen again, like if there's a second wave, you know, after we all reopen or whatnot, I think things are going to be set up a little bit differently so that n- not everything has to shut down. I feel mm. like that kind of is what has to happen. Um, I also think people just, you know, need to get creative. Um, it's something I talk to a lot. I talk a lot about with my clients is we need to use this time to be creative and really think about when this happens again, what do we want to have in place? Um, I spoke with my yoga studios about it before. Like, why don't we, why don't you guys just hop on and do some free yoga and use this as a time Mm -hmm. to maybe build a community outside of your walls. And while they didn't take that, I definitely seen loads of other yoga studios doing that, you know, doing Mm. free classes and really kind of trying to welcome and create a community online so that when they do are able to open their doors, maybe they can welcome in some new people. So I think, you know, it's it's kind of just key in in business, right? Like you need to kind of have some plans. And while nobody obviously ever planned for this because it hasn't happened since what the Spanish flu, I was yeah. like 120 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, <what laughs> is it? yeah, like, yeah, I was like, wait, is it 1914 or 19? 19... Yeah, 1914, I think it's what, when, no, 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 it was, yeah, was it? I think it's 1914. 19... Yeah, I'm or 1918. Definitely... One of those, yeah, I know it's one of those, like, four, you know, collectives there, four numberings. So, um, you know what I noticed about, I and just by hearing you talking, what I've noticed is that every person that I've talked to who is still has a business that's up and running, who's still doing well, and they're seeing actual potential growth from this, every one of them had one thing in common, and that was that they didn't see this as their doom. They saw it as a potential opportunity, and they were going to take advantage of the opportunity no matter what, if it meant them sinking or swimming, but they were going to try to see it as an opportunity and use it to some sort of advantage. Now, some people might think, oh, like, well, how can you use this? Like, aren't you thinking about all the people that are dying? You know, yeah, of course, you know, who doesn't want to consider or think about the people that are suffering or struggling from this? But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is businesses and businesses that can stay afloat or can at least use this as an opportunity to grow and expand and get even more, um, uh, get more of a base, get more, get grow uh, opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, I think you, you have to have that mindset, right? Um, I think 
when I first started my business, I was deep into like reading all these like business mindset books and things <laughs> like that. And mm-hmm. obviously, like I, I'm not doing that now because I have no time. But mm-hmm. um, I think one thing that always kind of stuck out with me and I think was kind of a theme in all of those books is just to stay flexible and always be thinking of kind of the next way you can kind of expand or how you can mm-hmm. tweak and be analytical of yourself and I think that's kind of the key to surviving entrepreneurship because it's like being on the best drug in the world. Like the highs mm-hmm. are freaking awesome and the lows just blow <laughs> and you're like, why am I doing this? And that can yeah. be throughout one day. And, right. you know, I just think you have to kind of be that person to ride those waves and mm-hmm. just, I don't know, just we, kind of have an we, open mindset. <laughs> you Well, you just have to be tough as nails. And I think, yeah. you know, I think coming from the background that we came from, <laughs> I think yes. we're tough as nails, right? Right. Um, and so, and so we, of course, we have a, a Starbucks background. We both worked at the same store for a while. Yes. And I, like you disappeared. I don't even know where you went, but you just disappeared. I graduated. I graduated college. <laughs> okay, well, that's probably what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what happened because I was like, oh, she's gone now. You know, so so and you know, people leave and they don't always tell everybody what's going on. And not only that, but I have like the worst memory ever. So I don't remember oh God, a lot of the conversation. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of the conversations that was happening there. So I was like, uh, you know, so it's like, I don't remember. You have to tr- tr- trigger my memory. Yeah. I only remember highlights, you know, highlights. Right. No, I loved that store. I always loved that uh, the comedian Lewis Black visited Houston and saw the two Starbucks across from each other and was like, this is the center of the universe where there are two <laughs> Starbucks right across the street from each other and they're both busy yeah. all the time. And yeah. I love that we worked at the drive through one. It, yeah. Such good times. But yeah, no, I graduated and then went on to teach eighth grade reading um, in the Heights. But uh, yeah, Starbucks, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I I think Starbucks, you know, you go into Starbucks for different reasons. Some people go in just for the extra cash. Some people go in because they want to have a career with the company. Some people just, you know, go in for other reasons. Like I went to Starbucks because I like stopped in on during a date once one night and I saw how much fun they were having behind the counter. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to work here. Like this feels like such an open-minded and just like fun place. And I think back then it was Kat Tanapo. She was there that night that I saw her and she was behind the counter and everybody was joking around with each other and everything. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to work here. So my reason for going to Starbucks was to learn how to talk to people. What? <laughs> so, I can never imagine that you had any problem talking to oh people. Oh my God. Yeah, like, that blows like, my mind. Yeah, it was so bad. Like I, like I, I was telling my friend uh, the other day, I was like, I used to, even my neighbors, like I used to talk to them through a window screen because I was too shy to go outside and talk to them right across the fence or like right, at, right there. So I was just too shy, so I wouldn't go out. And like I would go outside and play by myself in the open yard. And sometimes my little sister would be with me, and I we used to pretend to be Cinderella and the Wicked Witch. And of course, you know I was Cinderella, right? Because <laughs> So, so um. I would take a sheet. Yes, yes. So I would take a sheet and I would wrap the sheet around myself and I'd be like, you know, so, so I'd be like flying around with the sheet and everything like, oh, no, the Wicked Witch is going to get me. You know, and my sister would be like, yeah, you know, she'd be doing her thing. And one day she stopped and she was like, what? She was like, I think I was like maybe nine or 10, maybe 11. I mean, I was still, still 
young i was still young enough that i could get away with it but old enough to where i'm like okay i'm getting close to outgrowing this real fast you know (laughs) and so she was i think like five or six she was pretty pretty there and um she's like no no why do i always have to be the wicked witch and i was like because you do it so well i could never do it the way that you do you know so i like spent a good five ten minutes yeah just like totally (laughs) manipulating her into thinking that she was the most amazing wicked witch ever so and then of course she's like okay and then she kept chasing me around you know so we would play in the middle of the front yard and then whenever we'd see a car drive by or we see somebody walking by we'd like get scared and we'd run behind the house because we were just so so shy and scared so i needed the starbucks uh experience to loosen me up a bit yeah i think i got really caught up in like the 90s coffee craze um Mm -hmm. i started working there because my best friend started like opened the first starbucks in like Mm. the you know, the Texas planned the, you know, the Texas planned community that we grew up in. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they all look the same, so it doesn't even matter what it's called, but, um, she opened the first one there. And so I just hung out there religiously. And then when I graduated high school, I was like, Oh, you know, I want to transfer into Houston and go to U of H, but I need a job. How can I transfer with a job? And I was like, I can start at Starbucks. So I started at like another Starbucks in that area and then transferred mm. downtown to go to college. But I mean, it was a great gig. Like I worked morning shifts so I could work a full eight hours and then mm-hmm. go to class every day. So it, it did a really good job of enabling me to like make good money, be able to afford like my life and go to college at the same time. So, yeah. Well, I, I think know. you use it, you use it as a tool. Like you didn't use it as an end point. You use it as a tool to get you someplace with it. You know, it's the Definitely. same. I did the same thing, right? I use it to help me lo- loosen up and learn how to talk to people and have conversations. I, mean, I remember they wanted me to, the, like it was like the first few days I'd been going over the material and training. They're like, okay, it's time to get on the register. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you have to get in the register and ring people up and talk to people. And I was like, I have to ring people. I have to talk to like, and even though I went there specifically to learn how to talk to people and to get, I didn't want to do it. I was like, uh, you know, so I didn't know how to react to that. But you, I, I remember you coming in cause it was Chelsea that you came in with, right? right. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea's your friend. And, well, our friend, because uh, be, we became friends um, after a while. Cause I know she hated my guts in the beginning, but. Ooh, um, I didn't know yeah. that. I'm going to pop yes. her for that info. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think. <laughs> yes. So I, I, and I won't go too into too much right. depth. I won't give her juices away, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Nobody so wants her coffee syrup. Yeah, I don't want to give her coffee syrup away. But you know, like when when she first moved in to the store, she was such a freaking micromanager, and she was like a control freak. And I don't ever think she got away from that. Like I think she's remained that way forever. Well, I don't but know. It, yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm. Go ahead. Well, no, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say it's interesting because I mean I've known her since I was two years old. Um, so like we go way, way back. I mean, mm-hmm. God, that's like 37 years ago. Um, so I thought working with her would be a challenge and it definitely was because like, I looked at her very differently than everybody else mm-hmm. looked at her, obviously, but man, mm-hmm. I mean, those grates in the floor were never as clean as when Chelsea was managing those oh, stores. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that. I think that the amount of energy it takes to be her, Oh God, you can split that into two people. Like you <laughs> can literally make two people out of her, you know? And I, 
she moved in and I'm a Taurus through and through. Like, if you tell me what to do, I'm like, don't tell me what to do. And I'll do it in five minutes. Like, like I just, right. I would always react that way. Right. And she was always like, okay, we need to go ahead and work on the grades or we need to go do this. We need to go do that. And I'm more of a flowy personality. I go with the flow, you know? So the idea that I was ever a store manager still to this day confuses the hell out of me because I don't <laughs> even know how I pulled that off for Yes, like for like 10 years. And then now I'm like, okay, I need to get this article pulled out. And it's taking me two weeks. Like, so just that, that whole shift that's happened is hysterical. But she came in and she was just busting her asses and she made the store incredible. But I was not having the easiest time with the micromanagement part and just being yeah. told like the control free part. So I think one day and, and, she, and you know, sometimes she, if she wants you to know something, you would know it. But she Absolutely. would like she's going to make you pay if you didn't do something right. And uh, so I was like uh, one day I was like. I, I started to psychoanalyze her and I kind of actually started to psychically tune into her. And one day she was in the back room and I could tell she was exhausted, but I, there was something that I was noticing about her life that I don't think she was recognizing. It was like a pattern a behavior. And so I went to the back and I said, is the reason why you're such a control freak and micromanager is because of such and such and such. And she just like, and there wasn't even a reaction. She just like, it almost felt like a light bulb went off in her head. And I was like, really? Yeah. She didn't even, she did not say anything. She thought about it for a second. And then she's like, maybe. And I was like, Hmm. And then I told her, well, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you try this and see if you can resolve that issue? And then you might not feel that way here. And then she was like, so she, I, I left her speech. Like I, she just didn't know what, how to react to that. And for me to just go up bluntly and just directly say something that intimate. Yeah. To say something that intimate, it was just like, okay. You know, and after that I yeah. felt bad. I was like, that's not my place to say that to people. Like, who am I to, <laughs> who am I to tell someone what's going on within the deepest, deepest, darkest recesses of their soul and heart and why, you know, and of course now mm-hmm. I get paid for it. But right. back then, you know, it was <laughs> like, it I was, yeah, you got it for free. Yeah. You could give, you could be a bitch to me and you're going to get it for free. So so it 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 actually changed our entire relationship and our friendship because suddenly after that I she knew I wasn't her enemy. She knew I wasn't there to make her job or her life harder. She knew that I was there to help her, but right. I needed to know what she needed from me so that I could help her and then I would do it. And so at that point I did everything I could to try to give her what she needed so she didn't have to feel so out of control at work. And it actually helped our relationship and that year I think I remember that that um Christmas she's like telling everybody happy, you know, merry christmas to everybody and I think she brought like some donuts or cookies or something. But did. then <laughs> yeah, and then she came over to the side while I was at the bar and she's like this is for you don't tell anybody that i gave this to you and i was like okay and and so and it was a it was a whole foods gift card and back then i was i mean i was from the hood i didn't shop at no damn whole foods like whole foods is like ooh, fancy (laughs) right exactly yes so that's where we went to and and after that, we were just really great friends. And I really missed, I really, it really broke my heart when she left. And I was like, no, but at the same time, I, I learned a lot from her and actually learned how to be, <laughs> I became a micromanager and a control right. freak after that, because I used her as <laughs> an example. So it's kind you. of funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I miss, I miss like the old school Starbucks. Like, mm. I mean, I don't miss the carpal tunnel from those like terrible old machines that we used to work mm. on, but I miss like the calling out of cut, like the names mm. and just like the banter baristas used to have with you know people coming in i i really fondly look back on my time at starbucks but i'm also glad like i'm no longer there 
Yeah. Do you still have the Starbucks, um, like the, the, the yearly or, 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 or twice a year dream where you're back at Starbucks, you're working behind a bar or something's happened. Your whole life is changing. You're back at Starbucks. Sometimes. I mean, I always joke with my husband, like if, you know, anything catastrophic happens and I need to like leave my business and like go do something full time for benefits Mm -hmm. or whatever. I was like, I still remember how to make Starbucks drinks. So we will be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. See, I, you know, I think I left, I left Starbucks with, I I just left very bitter after I left the company because when did you leave Starbucks? You left when? I left in 2000. I actually left a little bit before I graduated college because I started nannying and did some other things. Mm. So I think I left in 2004. Wow. You left really early on. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like 16 mm. years ago. Well, the, 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 the culture of the company, you know, up and up until 2008, 2009 was pretty similar. Like it stayed relatively the same. Like if a customer came in and we messed up their drink, not only were we supposed to give them their drink, but then give them a coupon for a free drink on the next time. Cause we screwed their drink order up or whatever. So that's right. the kind of, you know, like pay it forward, pay it forward. Right. We always had extra help on the floor. We always had people that we usually had extra help or extra people that we could like rely on if something happened that day or we were short. And after you left, the company stayed pretty much the same. But then there's all of these other competitors started to jump into the industry right. and, you know, McDonald's and all this other stuff. So around 2008, 2009, when the economic crisis happened, Starbucks freaked out because they could no longer support the status quo of what made them so great. So they started to essentially trim the fat anywhere and everywhere they could. And so they basically took away our staff. They took away our hours to be uh, managers and we had to split our time between being managers and being baristas. And then on top of that, you know, they changed the benefit packages and then a bunch of new people from different companies started to roll in who brought in a completely different culture and mindset and changed the entire identity of the organization. So it was all about the numbers at that point and less about the impact or the effect on the world and who you would be in the world as a socially conscious company. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. And that that's when things started to kind of go sour with the company and my heart started to break because I, when I left the company, I left two years after a majority of the managers that I had been, that I had grown up in the company with had left. I mean, the majority of them had gone because they were just so dissatisfied with the company and the work ethic and how it wasn't about the partners anymore. It was about, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, whatever. And if you feed me shit, then that's what I'm going to crave that day. And so we, we were, starting to be pushed beyond our capacity to kind of keep up and the culture had died a long time ago. So the company had changed a lot by the time they caught up and which I think a barista or a ship supervisor had written a really well, uh, well, um, a kind of really insider's view article about the conditions in the company as a partner. That's when the company started to say, Oh crap, we've been found out. We need to, yeah. we need to revert back. And so it was sad because the ideals were still there, but it, it's like, it's kind of like what the U S is going through right now. It's like the U S the ideals were there and there was this glory days of this organization or great institution. And then it's all completely being, um, eroded it eroded from the inside out and on top of that all of the issues that were there before that you just never realized are now coming to the surface in full flesh yeah it's almost like the, you can you see the wizard behind the curtain now right and right you know mm-hmm. become disillusioned yeah it's, yeah it's a fascinating time yeah so i i, I wonder i'm curious to, to know like what's going to happen with the company but 
it's still like, there's nothing like those glory days. And I mean, I still think back the best party I ever went to in my entire life. And I haven't been to a lot, (laughs) but (laughs) the best one was the one that um, Colin had thrown. Um, I think Nathan was there. Kat was there. Angel was there. I mean, all these Megan was there. Right. I think Chelsea might have shown up at some point. I don't remember if Chelsea was there. I feel like maybe we went, maybe Chelsea and I went. Yeah, I don't, because that was so long ago. Yeah, and like it was like the best party ever. Like I was, I think I was drunk off my ass, and everybody <laughs> was just like either drunk or high, and they were dancing right. and go- doing like some of the some of some of the people had gotten on people's shoulders, and they were doing like as if we were in a pool party, and it was oh my god, re- yeah, it was crazy. Y'all must have left after before that happened because probably. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I think uh, and yeah, Colin had uh, the gorillas. Hey like in yeah, on repeat yeah. like for two or three hours yeah. um yeah <laughs> so but it was great because it's the first yeah. time i ever heard that song so i was like oh yeah like i'm i'm cool i'm cool i'm i'm with the popular people now you know so i was in a completely different mindset back then yeah it's it's really cool because one thing again not to tie it back to social media but i love that i'm still connected to everybody on facebook mm-hmm. and i love kind of seeing where we're, we all are now and just mm-hmm. the differences in our lives and doing crazy shit in your 20s is just well that's how i mean that's how i found you you know i actually found because i found you through chelsea's um uh, i think it was her facebook post i it she had wrote something or said something on one of her posts and i saw you your i saw you respond to it yeah i saw you comment on that i'm like reagan reagan and i'm like oh my god I'm like, I remember, <laughs> I think I remember, I think she's, she's redheaded. I think, you know, so I was like trying to remember and I, I, gra- I remembered it cause you looked very different back then, yeah. but I remembered it. And I was like, wait a minute. I think I remember Reggae. And then I, um, cause there's nothing more embarrassing than like having worked with people for months and months and months. And you completely forgot that they existed oh, after absolutely. years have gone by. Like, I don't know where, which Starbucks <laughs> you're talking about. I've only worked at like 17 of them, you know? So, right, right. Yeah. And and I found you, I, I saw your comment and I was like, huh. And then I looked at your page and it had on there that you were, uh, that you owned your own company and that this was your, what your company was, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh my God. And what you don't know is that for months I had been praying and kind of in my mind, like, I need help with this. I don't know how to keep up with this. I'm overwhelmed. I feel like I've reached my capacity to keep up with my workload, my client load, all the administrative stuff I'm already doing, trying to create content, trying to manage everything else I need to so I felt overwhelmed. And then in the feeling of that, I was like praying in my head about it. And I wasn't like sitting down and putting my hands together and praying. Right, I was actually right. in my mind, like, God, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do to make this easier for myself, but I know this is what I need. I don't know who to reach out to or who would be best for me. And I remember even looking up social media managers and people who had your experience and background. And I just could not. And it's very intimidating. Just the idea of like, totally you know, I've got to talk to this person and I've got to hire them. I don't even know what I want, you know? So you made the process so easy for me. And I like, yes, like it really, it was like, it's basically, I I honestly didn't even feel like we had a business meeting. I feel like the first time we talked, I said, this is what's, what's going on. This is what I need. 
what can you help me with? And you're like, well, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. This is what I would do. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I didn't even like read the co- contract because <laughs> I trusted you. That's right. how like I was in that scene. Of course, it should read it. You should always, guys, you should always read contracts Absolutely. when you sign up with businesses. But I was just like, I tr- like she's Starbucks folk and I trust Starbucks folk because right. they have been through it. Not the ones that were there for two months and got fired yeah, or the ones that know. were there for six months and then quit because they got frustrated with just having to cater to people. The people who were there for a long time and used it as the way it was meant to be used, which was a tool to get you to the next stage. So, um, I trusted you and you were my Starbucks folks and you were, you know, you were Chelsea's best friend. There's a lot of integrity. Chelsea's a very integ, she's a very integrative integrity based person. So just the association, I was like, I trust Chelsea. I trust Reagan. I've worked with Reagan. Yeah, let's, let's do this. And so even though years had passed, I just trusted that process. And the fact that you were exactly what I'd been needing and you were Starbucks folks on top of that, I was like, Oh my, this is perfect. Yeah. Oh, I had, I had no idea. Like that's how it came about, but Mm -hmm. No, so it's, you it's were, been fabulous. You. you've been on, yeah, you'd been a prayer for several months. And so you were sent to me by God. So I was like, okay, I'm taking advantage of this and yeah, I'm going to, you know, use this. Mm-hmm. No, it's been a lot of fun. I, I really like working with clients who have kind of a strong vision of where they want to go. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of key. If anybody, you know, is out there kind of wondering how to be a good social media client, like mm-hmm. have a really strong vision of what you want it to be and work with your social media manager on how to like get that achieved because I think that Mm. makes the best clients. The clients are like, I have no idea what I want. That is a a longer process to go through. Whereas I feel like we just kind of, you know, got started and went on. Yeah. So how, well, that raises a good question because in working with the different clients that you've worked with over the years, like what clients or what commonalities have you seen with clients who don't really get as much achieved as they would have wanted in their original vision? Um, there are a couple different ones. There are ones who reluctantly hire you while telling you that their 12 year old could do your job. Mm. <laughs> they don't really kind of understand the ins and outs and they don't really know what they want to say. Um, because as far as like in, in the way that I work, I work with people who predominantly own their own small businesses. I work for a few larger companies and that's a different story, but the smaller businesses, I want people to be able just to focus on their business because that's obviously what they're good at and I'm good at telling stories. So if you can if you're open and you can work with me, then then typically we'll work fine, but where I've seen it is clients who are just like, "Right, I just want like three posts a week." create something that Mm. doesn't go as well because the posts (laughs) still need to feel like the business and I'm not the business. I'm not the expert on X, Y, and Z. So Mm -hmm. I definitely think you have to, you have to work well together and you have to kind of share that creative process because there's a lot of things I can do, but you know, I need the input of the business to do so. So um, I find like, good communication between client, like me and my clients, then it typically is always pretty smooth. Um, It's the ones that kind of don't want to talk to me or don't want to, not don't want to talk to me, but like, don't make the time to check in and really, you know, talk through the process or talk through the results or anything like that, Mm. that it just tends to really do nothing. Yeah. So I... So have you had one of those clients where they're like, okay, you know, this is here, I'm going to pay you this. This is my brand. Make me viral. Like, have you had those kinds of clients yet? No, because I'm pretty upfront (laughs) that I like 
that's an unrealistic expectation. I try, I really try <laughs> to manage the expectations of my clients. Like the internet is not what it was 20 years ago where mm. everything went viral. And I mean, you still can and you need to be current, but you know, I try to look at the quality of work going into like engagement. I, I don't necessarily care about followers or likes, which I know is probably heresy and in social media, but I really care about the engagement rate of the content that we're putting out there. Do your people like what we're putting out there? Are they engaging with it? Are they ask, asking questions? Are they commenting? Those I feel are more a sign of successful social media posts than just the passive likes or yeah, maybe you get loads of followers, but are they actually engaging in your stuff? Or again, are they just passive followers who yeah. don't really care about your brand because you want that engagement because those are the people who are interested in what you're doing. And I feel like that's a better way to judge social media versus, you know, do you have 10,000 followers or not? Because I'll tell you things that I have read at about a thousand followers is where your peak engagement actually is. Because if you Mm. look at a lot of these people who have a million followers, other than very famous people already, people who have like 100,000 followers, if you look at their individual posts, the engagement is sometimes really quite low for the numbers. Like you just have 100 likes and you have 100,000 followers. Like that's nothing. So Right. You should have like thousands of, of likes. Absolutely. You know, you should, yeah. Or mm. comments. And, you know, that's yeah. how you can tell you're really engaging with your audience and giving them giving them things that they need. That's always kind of my go-to for social media posts, like give more than you're trying to take from your people and Mm. they will comment and they will follow and, and they will get something out of your social media rather than just be entertained, but entertaining is good too. Yeah. Well, I think it's a mix. I think the best I've, what I've noticed is that the people ever since this started with Corona and COVID ever since this started, the people who had huge followings, but every post was like an art piece or it was designed around a photo shoot or some sort of like, you know, ideal experience that only most people dream about having those people. Like if you look at their posts now or their, their pages, they look like deer with like deer with headlights because they don't know how to operate in a environment where everything was based on their surroundings or the kind of level of work that they were doing. And so they're like, oh shit, like if I don't come up with a new way to connect with people, I'm not going to sustain this momentum or sustain this type of enthusiasm. And so you're finding people being way more engaged in smaller pages and smaller tribes and smaller groupings that have way more in common with their everyday experience than those who they're still trying to post pictures of them in the middle of the Bahamas, you know, you know, looking like absolutely perfect with radiant light and perfect background, et cetera. But nobody here, everybody here knows that nobody's in that kind of situation right now and they can't even relate to that. And if anything, just sometimes showing that can feel disrespectful or kind of like a slap in their faces. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes I wonder if a lot of those posts are like, obviously, people have scheduled so far right. in advance that they and right. they haven't looked at what they've got scheduled. I've, I've seen that with quite a few companies where their posts just seem very kind of off color for the time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, that's not sensitive or things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
ultimately it's social media, right? So it is curated, but you can curate your reality. Like you don't have to go so far into like a fantasy world that you can't Mm. really connect to real people because that's not what people want to see, especially at a time of crisis. Like I think people want to see the truth to how everybody is handling what's going on and, you know, them being honest. I mean, you know, in, in my own podcast, we talk about it almost every single episode because we, we meet weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a friend of mine who lives in London. So it's really nice to be able to talk about how our different countries are handling it. We're both moms. We both have kids at home. So it's interesting how similar our experiences is also how different they are based on how our countries are handling it. Um, and I think our listeners are really responding to that because it's it's real and it's what's going on. You can't pretend that this, this shit is not happening. <laughs> right. Right. Well, before, like with the podcast, before this all started, you know, the primary topic for the, what was the primary topic for your podcast or the, the so, niche? My podcast is called TV My Husband Hates and it's two girls who chat everything reality TV. So we mainly do mostly shows on Bravo and E. So all the Real Housewives shows we do, we do the Below Deck series, we do the Shaws of Sunset. Um, There's an interesting one out that just finished on Sunday called Family Karma. And we still talk about those. But what the real focus is, is not necessarily the shows, but the topics the shows bring up. So Mm. um, during this last the latest season of Below Deck, there was a lot of misogyny on board and just very men versus women kind of attitude in the workplace. And so that's what we talk about. Like we talk about the show, but we really try to connect it to kind of what's going on in the real world and you know, those issues that it brings up sexism or women's health or body positivity. That's kind of how we focus our chat. So it's not just talking shit about reality TV. It's, you know, a little, a little bit deeper than that. We try to make it, you know, that smart people can watch reality TV too. Well, yeah. Well, you're looking at the deeper meaning or the deeper messages right. behind, you know, what's going on on television. Cause it is, it is a reflection of our cultural Absolutely. norms. Hmm. So have you guys done, have you, because it's Kat, right? It's Kat also? Yeah, her name's Kat. um, And she lives in London. We used to Mm -hmm. teach together over there. um, And that's how we met ages ago. So um, I came up with the idea and we, we always knew we wanted to do something together. And this is we always talked about reality TV, because it's both been kind of our quote unquote, guilty pleasures for ages. Mm -hmm. And both of our husbands hate it to no end. So <laughs> we came up with the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, we record transatlantically um, in the ultimate of self isolation. And um, we record it. So we're on YouTube as well. So people can see us chat together every week. But it's a really nice was, way to bond with your friend who lives so far away. Was Kat before, the, before this, was, was, was Kat still teaching or was she doing something else? No. So she um, writes a parenting blog called not so smug now and it really focuses on how smug parents we all are before we actually have children and how all the stuff that like we said we would never do is what we end up going to like oh my kid's never going to be on screens or you know i'm going to have organic goat's milk you know (laughs) that i you know get my from my own goat in my backyard <laughs> yeah they milk from my own goat yeah 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 you're like no i went hey, to mcdonald's kids, it's time to learn how to milk your own goats it's that time of of, of our decade now you know time. Um, but yeah so like all those things that you thought you would do as a parent and you would never give your kid formula you would never do all this stuff and then you become mm. a parent and you 
realize like all that shit goes out the window and you just try to survive. So she writes a blog that really focuses on the reality of being parents and how that affects women and how that affects your relationships. And she's super funny. She's a fabulous writer, but um, Mm. she does that. So she does that. She makes quite a good living off of it um, and takes care of her two girls. So we're both work stay at home mom kind of deals. But I love that because you're the perfect example. Both of you are the perfect example of what some mothers don't even try to achieve or just try to have a taste of if that's what they really wanted. Like there are some mothers who they use their, and I'm sorry, you know, I know that not everyone's situation is the same, but some women will use their families or their children's as their reason for not being, actually it was the theme. And did you see big little lot or big little fires everywhere with Reese? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's so It was so good. Yes. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Like that, that series really focuses on, I think, I think the deal is with women and you know, any of your listeners can a hundred percent write in and correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, for me, it took state, like I was a stay at home mom for five years and that was very out, out of my personality, but it was something I really Mm -hmm. wanted to do. My husband was supportive of that. And we had just moved back from living overseas. So kind of timing wise, it was just like a whole new chapter in my life. And I tried really, really hard, but it just wasn't, enough. And I don't mean that like my kids weren't enough or anything like that, but I just, I needed more to be able to talk to and my brain was not being utilized. And I felt that it was, it was kind of detrimental to my relationship Mm. with both my husband and my kids. Cause I didn't want to resent my kids for me not feeling fulfilled. And so, you know, when, when I decided to kind of retrain in the social media space, I did it as a way to learn because I, I consistently and constantly love learning new things. Um, so I did it to kind of reawaken my brain. And there are a lot of moms who can stay home and be a hundred percent fulfilled and they're badasses at it. And it's mm-hmm. the hardest thing I ever did was stay home for five years. I could, I could never do it again, but my hats go off to some of the women who do it and kick ass at it. But if women who don't kick ass at it and are like almost can be sometimes afraid to say they don't want to do it because it's such a stigma, like if you're privileged enough to stay home, you should just do that. And it's just kind of damaging. Like we should all just need to follow our own paths. So you know what? If you are a stay at home mom and you don't want to do it anymore, don't do something else or find figure out some way to kind of make it blend. Because with with the Internet now, I mean, you can literally do anything from home typically so my well, don't advice you get tired? Don't, don't you get tired of like the bullshit double standard where like if ideally with the male in this in society if a male was out working like 20 hours a day but spent no time with his family then he was still a good father but or Fuck a family yeah. man or a husband <laughs> and if he didn't if, if, if he wasn't out you know working if he was spending a little bit of time with the kids and a little bit of time with work or most of his time with work and some time with the kids he was still a good father uh, you know the only time they they basically take away that idea is if he's just at home and he's not working. But yet with women, there's so many complexities and it's like an onion where 
if you are a working mom and you predominantly focus on working and having a career, and that's where a lot of your energy and time is going to, you're a bad mother. If you are not having a career and you're focusing on your children and you just want to take care of your kids for whatever reason, and that's your focus and then be at home and whatever, you're, 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 you've wasted your life because you never became something, you know? So there's these stupid layered bullshit double standards that just do not apply to women, but yet, I mean, that, that don't apply to men, but yet apply to women all the time. Oh my God. There are a million memes on the internet right now. If you look up dad, it's all about like, oh, look at this dad. He changed a diaper. Isn't that amazing? Right. And it's like, right. dude, I, I do that shit all the time. I do it in the middle of the night. I do it, you know, when I'm sick and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very harmful double standard. Um, a friend of mine, my friend Kat actually was telling me she read a study about like all these perfect quote unquote stay at home moms in like the fifties and how they actually only spent about 11 hours one-on-one time with their kids for the full week. Mm. These, you know, these were full-time stay at home moms. Obviously they had to run the house and do all that, but they really spent like 11 hours for a full week one-on-one with their kids the same, they've now done studies where like women of today who are working and running the household and doing all that stuff are spending an average of 17 hours face to face with their kids during the week. So like mm. we're beating ourselves up for like trying to quote unquote have it all and right. feel like we're failing against this like 1950s housewife stereotype. And we're actually right. doing a fuckload more. And it's like, no yeah. wonder we're exhausted. Like nobody can do all this stuff. <laughs> right. And it's exactly. fine. Like your kids will not come out to be serial killers because you made them play outside for 30 minutes. Actually, they right. probably won't because did that. And it's just like <laughs> we all need to give ourselves a break and just be like, you know what? The minute I took myself out of like my kids' arguments, this is like it's been fairly new. It's been about two weeks. But I've been doing this thing where when they get upset with each other, I used to go in and like moderate it and like make sure everybody was okay because like they're around all the time. I just don't have time to moderate every single little argument that they get into because I'm also working. So I've kind of consciously taken myself out of their dynamic because they're brothers. Like they're going to be arguing for the rest of their lives. They need to sort (laughs) it out. Right. And and they both have the language and they have the ability to do so. So for the past two weeks, I've consciously removed myself from that dynamic and they've been figuring it out and I'm not getting stressed out about it. And it saves so much frustration on my end that it's like, okay, this is how I'm moving forward. And, you know, just going back to like the Corona, you know, the Corona silver linings, I guess, or quarantine silver linings. That's definitely one for me. Like I'm learning how to butt the fuck out of my kids' lives Mm -hmm. and just let them be kids and learn how to deal with each other because, you know, they have to learn that shit to become functioning adults. And I want them to be functional. I don't want them to live at home forever. Um, Yeah. So I think, I think that's the expectation. I don't know where the expectation came from that parents are supposed to produce perfect children. Uh, And if some, if your child has a predisposition or a certain condition or a certain mindset, you've failed as a parent. Now, I mean, to some extent, there are some kids out there that their mother should have slapped the hell out of them when they, (laughs) because it's like, wait a minute now, you know, and, and guys, I'm not, I'm not, uh, proposing that you go and slap your kids and hit them. I'm, I'm using that right, in right. a form of no, context, absolutely. but I grew up where if I was a badass kid and I did not listen, my mother was going to slap the hell out of me and say, you snap the hell out of it. Get back to reality because I'm not having that. You know, that was the, 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 
childhood that I had. I mean, granted, she never really had to do that often. But every now and then, if I dropped myself in the middle of the grocery store because I wanted a little airplane and I started screaming and freaking out, you know, you you best damn well believe she's going to drag me out of there for my legs, kicking and screaming and slap the shit out of me when she got me home. Right, right. I mean, I think the thing is, like, I definitely... I think we've learned a lot more about child development and I think some of the things that we're doing are great. Like, mm. you know, one thing I always remember, like I never rem- remember being apologized to as kids when like I was actually the one that was in the right and I got yelled mm. at anyways. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I really try to do with my kids and be like, Oh, you know what? Like mommy made a huge mistake. I'm super sorry. I should, you mm. know, a, I should not have yelled at you. I'm a yeller um, and trying to change, but I shouldn't have yelled at you. And actually you were right. So I apologize. And then we move on. And like, so that's something I try to do with my kids. Cause I remember never really getting that validation for my thoughts and feelings as a kid. And I think to some extent we do that better now, but also like sometimes they just need to get on with things and they can't be kind of pandered to too much. Yeah. I don't know if that's controversial or not, but um, no, like, you should know. Like, I, I run. Coddling. Yeah. I don't coddle it, Yeah. It's one thing to be supportive. It's another thing to coddle and, and enable. Like, I don't enable. want to enable exactly. them to be unproductive people in their lives because I, I don't want to have to, you know, mother them forever. I want them to be independent thinkers and independent people in the world. And to do that, like sometimes they need to do what I say. Sometimes, you know, they get in trouble, but ultimately, you know, they'll learn to do it on their own. <laughs> Hopefully. (laughs) Well, you know, I think you're incredible because I think just having the ability to watch yourself and check yourself with your children while you have all of these competing priorities at the same time, a lot of mothers aren't able to do that. They either struggle with that or that's something that they still haven't gotten down. And it takes time and effort. You know, I'm sure you didn't immediately evolve and you know you weren't like that from the get-go you probably had to learn those strategies over several years with your children oh my gosh i'm still learning every day and i hope i don't come off as a smug smug dick like i totally have my time i lose my shit and i scream and yell and then i feel like an asshole afterwards like you know that's parenting like in in my experience as parenting I learn new stuff every day. I fuck up in different ways every day. And it's just kind of, you know, one day at a time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like once I had my second, I realized everybody tells you like the time goes by really fast. And when you have an infant, you're like, fuck, no, it doesn't. Every day feels Mm -hmm. like 24 years. But now that they're older, it's like, holy crap, like my kid is already going to be eight years old soon. Like, he's almost been around for a decade. Like that's crazy. Mm. (laughs) And then you start realizing how fast it does go, which gives me a little more perspective with kid number two. But, um, you know, do you think you're done? Do you think this is the end or you think you're ready for it? I have two boys and I love them and they're great, but I don't want them to outnumber me. And I started older or on the older side and I just don't have the energy to like go back to having an infant ever again. Mm. <laughs> I, I enjoy my sleep now. Like I, I'm finally on the other side of the sleep hump. So everybody sleeps through the night and I don't get woken up and that's a good place to be. 
Yeah. So it reminds me of Reese Witherspoon in the show where, she, you know, she's got three kids already and he's like, let's, you know, she's pregnant again. And he's like all on board and she's like, no, like she I just got back to work. Yes. Yes. And then she screamed at him. She's like, having one more is different, you know, because he kept saying like one more isn't going to be that different. And she's like, it is fucking different. You know, like it's hysterical. Like it was a really good show. Oh, that was such a great show because yeah, it, it shows you so many different. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So many personalities, I, so many different mothers, yeah. so many different daughters, and just mm-hmm. the relationships between women. Because I think like the two main characters, not to go into book chat corner on your no, podcast. But, do it, um, do it. Those, the two main women are actually so similar, yet mm-hmm. their lives are so different. And I feel like I always read that there's like this free spirit in the Reese Witherspoon character, but because mm. she like had to be in this like perfect role like that free spirit could just never leave like you see that scene with her and her boyfriend in Paris and they're stoned and they're just drinking and they're dancing and like that free spirit just kind of got zipped up into this like perfect Chanel suit and just could never leave and it's just oh it's an amazing show if if anybody out there hasn't watched it go get your Hulu 30 day free trial and binge that sucker because it will not long it's now all out and the book is incredible as well by celeste um i i do not know how to say her last name but it's ng and um it's just phenomenal it's phenomenal writing phenomenal show phenomenal Mm. women well you know we thought ed and i thought it was going to be like okay big little lies big little fires ever like we we were like very confused because you're like what is this and there's like memes out there of like it being reese witherspoon's by you know her continual novel or series (laughs) or we're just like laughing like what but they're like her characters on both shows are completely different even though they're still like based in the same general principles where she's this like wealthy or she comes from money or she has, you know, but she's entitled, et cetera, et cetera. Right. entitled white bitch. Right. That's, yeah, that's totally. the, the premise of her personality for both shows. But in both shows, she's actually incredibly different and way more complex. And her character in both shows is pretty um, different. Um, but I think she's a really great actress to so carry. I was waiting for her to go postal. I was, yeah, Carrie Washington. I was waiting for her to go postal on one of these bitches. And I was like, Ooh, like, there's one minute, like that was one moment when she, when Reese was dropping off her daughter and they had already established that her daughter couldn't be over there anymore. She couldn't have anything to do with her daughter. And then to drop her off in the middle of the night and Carrie's right there looking at her and she's like, you know, I told her, they know that she told Carrie's secret and Carrie's like, like, I see you. Like I yeah. see, and you can see like at first she's kind of wounded. Yeah. Like you, you can see her face, Carrie Washington's face. You can see her wounded. And then all of a sudden there's a little snap and switch in her eyes. And you're like, Oh shit. She's about to come back on the next episode and beat this bitch down. Like, that's like right. that's what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it was so incredible. I, I love, I love the, like, I feel like lately there've been a lot more complex roles for, I'm going to like aging women in Hollywood, which is a horrific term, but you know, anybody over 30 is an aging woman in Hollywood. And I just love that, you know, big little lies and um, little fires everywhere. Like these are just such substantial shows. And I Mm -hmm. feel like they're really highlighting these phenomenal female actors who are all over a certain age. Like I'm here for that. Yeah, I love I love it. I lo- I love those kinds of series where it tells the human story. It doesn't right. focus so much on like just 
trash TV or it's like, there's a human story behind it. And I think that's where I got caught up in it because I can relate to different aspects of that whole story in different ways, even though I'm not a woman, I'm not a mother, I'm not a parent. Um, you know, it's, it's like, there's still things there that I can identify with even as a human being. Absolutely. I think there are like universal human truths that everybody can connect to kind of everything on a different level. Because I mean, you're not a parent, but you were a kid and you had parents and, you know, kids are kind of the biggest observers of parents, whether they know it or not. So I don't know. I think you can Mm. comment on those things. So, so yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who want to find you or for people who need help getting their social media, a game like under control, like how can they find you? Um, So you can go to see and sway media.com. You can find me on Facebook at see and sway media. You can find me on Instagram at see and sway media, or you can email me at Reagan at see and sway.com. Yeah. And guys, see and sway. See is like seeing something like you're seeing something and then you're swaying things in another direction. So that's what she's, that's the meaning of it. Yeah. It's not just like a C, like a letter for those of you like, oh, she said it's the letter C. Right. Type that in. She said it's the letter C. Like, no, it's C and sway. So, and the podcast, do you have your podcast on your site or is it, it's got its own separate thing? Uh, It's got its own site. So that's tvmyhusbandhates.com, which is being worked on at the moment. So it's not quite up, but um, we've got a Facebook group we've got a facebook page we have an instagram um and it's all at tv my husband hates so check that out if you like reality tv or just smart witty sassy chat and you don't mind a lot of swearing you know what i would say i would say it would be an interesting show option for y'all would like on one episode because i before we got on the call before we got on the podcast today i was watching like an old uh buzzer television show it's like a game show and there was one of the questions that they were asking the contestants and were like you know if if uh men between the age of 40 and 60 if they were interviewing a reception someone for a receptionist position and they they had an older female and a young female who was a bombshell which one would they hire based off of her appearance or based off of her sexuality or sex appeal and that that was like a valid question and they were all like joking and making and i was like oh my god is this such an insensitive question in today's day and age because just the way they were talking about it it just kind of normalized the idea or the thinking that i can look at someone and just hire them based off of if i'm sexually attracted to them or if i you know think that they're attractive female like it's just it yeah. it's just like oh my god how much how much of a topic can that be on its own so i wonder if you if you and cat would ever like watch two or three episodes of of something back in like the 80s or in the 70s that was like supposedly a hot show then and then like come back and Ooh, comment on it or, that's that a would great be idea because that would bring up all kinds of like focuses and ch- and you can see how some things have definitely changed from then until today and then how some things are still very much the same way Oh, that's a fabulous idea. We just did a mini sode about Tiger King. Um, and that was about <gasps> mm. 20. It's like a 20 minute one. So you don't have to oh, hear gosh. us bang on too much about it. But um, <laughs> we definitely yeah. we do mini sodes of like Netflix shows. We're watching uh, Too Hot to Handle right now. So there'll be a mini sode that comes out about that. But no, I think that's a great idea about like old shows or even just like Dynasty or Dallas. Like when you watch yes. like those iconic- Designing Women. Yes. yes. Like some of these- oh, yes, I love I Designing Women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watching those shows kind of with a modern eye 
after the wake of the Me Too moment, because I think that really marks a change in how we all look at a lot of things and what's yeah. okay and what's not. But no, that's a great idea. I'll take that to her. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I really appreciate, yes. And I appreciate you just on a regular basis because you have helped me so much and made things so much easier for me. And I think that I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if you hadn't popped in and helped me. So thank you so much for all of that. Thank you for saying that, Fernando. You are a dream client. Like Aww. we will work together for a long time. <laughs> I always think I must be really she must be like he's the laziest person I have no ever way. worked for. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always think I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. But then I'm like, yeah. And then I get tired and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna check out today. I can't like, mentally I can't keep up with everything today. That's totally fine. But no, thank mm. you so much for having me. I've just this is so much fun. I love it. Awesome. Well, and thanks everybody for listening and I hope you all have a great rest of your week and we will check in with you guys on another episode.